You're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, a conversation between audience member and artist designed to demystify the classical music and opera experience. If you enjoy the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, and really, who wouldn't, please consider supporting it for as little as $2 a month. Visit patreon.com forward slash thoroughly good to pledge your support. How to describe Eric Coates' music? Well, listen to this. Then let's regroup after the main theme. A perfectly crafted melody, beautifully balanced, uplifting, and most important of all, a a tune brimming with self-deprecation. What's not to love? Eric Coates was a composer of light music whose output may well be known to you if you're a listener of Desert Island Discs, or you were subjected, like me, as a kid to long Sunday afternoons watching the Dam Busters. Coates was born in 1886 and was active professionally as a musician in the first two decades or so of the 20th century. Tall, handsome smoker with a modest style of delivery, Coates, if you look at the British Pathé newsreels available on YouTube, had an air of the celebrity about him in the 1940s. He seems to have been a crowd pleaser, a man who could seemingly knock out a good tune, stir the soul and help fix your eyes on the prize. There is in the newsreel something of the wizard that makes him quite possibly even beguiling. If you were a famous composer whose melodies had become part of other people's lives, where would you find your inspiration? Eric Coates, the man who wrote the Knightsbridge March, Calling All Workers and many other well-known tunes, has had some of his best themes come to him almost ready-made while strolling through the London he knows and loves so well. Westminster from his London suite, which you're hearing now, had its beginning one quiet afternoon while he was gazing from the embankment into the Thames below. The swirling water, the hum of traffic, the chimes of Big Ben, all added together in his mind, made this. When you get spurred of the moment inspirations like Eric Coates, you always carry a notebook to jot them down. Without it, those precious few notes might be lost forever and the world would be the loser. Let's take a walk now with Eric Coates to a quiet spot in the heart of London where the noise of traffic is hushed and the thoughts that come into a composer's head are thoughts of peace. The scene is St James's Park, 
where the trees blot out the world of hustle and noise and you can imagine you're thousands of miles from a bus or a telephone. Once again in that mind, a picture in sight becomes a picture in sound. Only a few first notes have come yet, but down they go before they're forgotten. The rest of the melody takes a bit of thinking out. This podcast episode, an interview with BBC Symphony Orchestra principal contrabassoonist Steve McGee, has at its heart an arrangement of one of Coates' most evocative melodies, Calling All Workers. The podcast is actually a reflection of the time, the music, and touches on parallels with the Second World War. Written in 1940, Calling All Workers is a shortcut to a lesson from history, a trope, a statement on how we're now invited to imagine what people at home did whilst their nearest and dearest went off to fight in the war in Europe. It is music that evokes a history in its purest sense. It is also music that speaks to our emotions. There is intimacy in the setting. There's a sense of determination, too, in the melody. It's music which underpins an implicit sense of defiance. It's music that fills in the gaps. One might even describe it as a guilty pleasure. I reckon I owe thanks to Coates, kind of. When I finished radio production training, I ended up doing a day job with some rather wonderful people at BBC Broadcast. The offices were modern. I'd never sat at a desk where I had two monitors before. Never before had I been provided with actual headphones and a separate audio feed for every BBC radio station up and down the country. What I ended up listening to on a Wednesday afternoon was, as I recall, Brian Kay's light programme at 2pm, followed by Choral Evensong. Wednesdays were bliss. Brian Kay was, it seemed, in both his passion for and his ability to talk about the music he loved, the very manifestation of the music he was playing. There was a glint in his eye, a tongue in his cheek. How was it possible he had convinced then-controller Nicholas Kenyon to programme an entire hour of light music on a specialist radio network? Brian Kay must surely have been a bit of a rebel, getting this show out under the radar. This was under the duvet type stuff broadcast on a Wednesday afternoon. For all the people who criticise Radio 3 as being dull or, brace yourself, pale, male and stale, Brian Kay's light programme was my entry point, my gateway back into Radio 3. And at 30, 10 years after my music degree, it was the programme that ended up reinvigorating further exploration of classical music. Eric Coates' music played a big part in that programme too. It was by no stretch appointment to listen stuff. So maybe I owe Eric Coates and Brian Kay a bit of a thank you too. All of this nauseating emotion has been triggered by the release yesterday of a lockdown video featuring the BBC Orchestra's bassoonists, all of them playing an arrangement of Eric Coates' 
classic tune calling all workers. When I heard it, my attention was immediately piqued. So after having watched the video endlessly all day long, I fired off an email to the manager of the band and to my great delight, I received a gratifyingly accommodating response. This interview was recorded around about two hours ago. That's fast. Right, is that ringing? Is that picking it up? Hello? Hi, is that Steve? It is, yeah. Steve, hello there, it's John Jacob. Hi John, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? Good, yeah, not too bad, thank you. Are you, uh, are you somewhere where it's not raining right now? Uh, no, sadly not. It, we've just had an, quite a strong storm, actually. I think it looks like it's passed now, so we shouldn't be interrupting with thunder anyway. But there's, uh, <laughs> what a shame. It's incredibly, it's incredibly wet, yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely, I love it when it's wet. It's, <laughs> it's gorgeous. Well, I do as well, actually, and it is a nice change from, uh, you know, being, being boiling hot all the time. But, Indeed. Um, yeah, a little bit of variation would be good. Um, you must love the music of Coates. Oh, I do. I've always loved the music of Coates. I think probably my introduction to it, was, as it probably was with most musicians, is playing the Dambusters with a school band. And um, But any time you hear it, it's a distinct um, style of writing. Um, very pleasing to listen to. Mainly upbeat. You know, lots of fun to play and to listen to. So, yeah, I, I, I've always been a fan. Do you do you know what makes it... Can you tell me what makes it distinctive? I have an idea, but I'm interested in knowing what you think makes it distinctive, his writing. For me, it is his attention to detail, the articulation and his use of the instruments, his knowledge of the instruments that he's writing for and um, how to use them within a score. He is a master orchestrator, and when you look at everything, you know, um, the counter melodies, in particular the articulations, you know, in, in lots of other pieces as well, it's so important. I think it just gives it a unique style. Can you tell me something about him? I mean, basically I'm asking you to, to do my research for me. <laughs> That's what I'm asking you to do. <laughs> well, he was he was born in Hucknall, um, um, I'm just trying to think of the date. Oh no! I yeah. now I am now testing you, aren't I? That's that's basically what I've done. Which is a terrible thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are many, many more people much more qualified <laughs> than, than I to talk. Let's push through, though. <laughs> Let's push um, through. But uh, yeah, I mean, he he started off as a, as a viola player, and he went to the Royal Academy of Music and studied the viola with the great Lionel Curtis, and. Um, Indeed, he, he ended up writing some works for him, one of which I heard for the very first time in lockdown. One of our viola players um, did one of his, um, the, you know, the uh, the virtual recordings, and his, uh, Eric Kurtz had written the, the first meeting souvenir for viola and piano in 1941. I'd never heard that piece before, so that was an absolute delight. I think that's the thing about uh, lockdown is, you know, it, it's got people to be creative and and we've all i think learned some different things from it but anyway back to back to eric Coates. um so yeah he was a viola player and eventually he ended up as principal viola of the queen's hall orchestra under sir henry wood and um so he will have played at lots of promenade concerts and i think the first time he actually conducted at the proms uh was the first performance of his summer day suite and that was at the 1919 proms wow 
So um, I've seen, I've heard yeah. some recordings of his where he is conducting, um, and um, they're quite, I think I heard the London Suite actually. I think that's did he write something called the London Suite? There's various he, locations he, in London. He, in wrote the, he wrote the London Suite and the London Again Suite. Uh, of course, the uh, Knightsbridge March is very famous. The, uh, the BBC adopted quite a lot of his music for their um, radio programmes. But, but he know, didn't. The, the uh, am, and am I right in thinking? One. Am I right in thinking that he didn't write for the BBC? He just wrote these tunes anyway, and then somebody sort of essentially said, "Oh, that would work." Uh, is that? Am I assuming I that to know, be the possibly. case? Possibly. I mean, for things like the um, the London Bridge March. Um, the BBC had a program. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head now either. Um, but they literally, be- before this program was about to where they realised that twenty minutes before or something, they didn't have a theme tune for it, and they went down into the archives to look for a recording of London music, and that's what they came out with. Um, wow! There's an amazing clip on YouTube actually of um, of Eric Copes conducting that um, a video reel on uh, at Abbey Road. It's it's really interesting to watch and. Uh, I mean, it's reassuring to hear that the obviously to to think that the BBC's production standards have improved slightly. The idea that somebody would wait until twenty minutes before the program airs to think, "Oh, we need to have a theme chat." That's a bit of a worry, but it was a I different know, time. Surely it must have been an afterthought. Yes, <laughs> yes, just some kind of administrative error that surely wouldn't happen today. Um, yeah. When I hear the arrangement of um, of this tune. Uh, for all of the bassoons, there is something that makes me think that you wanted to do this because you love it. Because there is so much detail in it that... Without a doubt. I mean, it it was the first thing that sprung to my mind. I'd already done a short clip for the BBC Symphony Orchestra for their opening World Series when we were, uh, some of us were asked to talk about um, a piece of music and play some extracts from it. And... That was just something, was, it was the lockdown connection for me because it was written, um, it, it was his wife's idea that, that he wrote this piece for the Red Cross depot where she worked um, during the war. She used to go there with a sewing machine and make hospital supplies. And um, it sort of struck a chord with me that that's what a lot of people were doing with making PPE and things during lockdown. And, and I thought, yes, it'd be a nice, nice one to talk about. It's one of my favourites. I could have chosen many others, but it was um, it, it was the one that, that literally jumped out at me. That's what made me sort of slightly emotional, actually, when I saw it, because it was <clears throat> because of the parallels with the Second World War, and because that idea of um, uh, we need something to. I mean, it sounds sounds terribly cheesy and sort of almost disrespectful to say it, but we need something to lift our spirits and and that sort of. I mean, it's a it's a tune which allows one to project one's own emotions onto it, in addition to its sort of stirring emotions. Is it difficult? I mean, I hear it 
I hear some of the, especially the, oh, this gorgeous phrase right at the end, uh, and I don't know who's playing it or what part it is, but it is an upward scale and it's fast and it's very short. And I get terribly excited. I play the clarinet, I don't play the bassoon. Uh, but when I hear it, and I've listened to it repeatedly all day, um, I get terribly excited. But I wonder, is it very difficult? Have you made it difficult for them? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't make it. The, the only the only difficulty in the piece really is um, is the, the register of one of the bassoon parts, which goes extremely high. And I did that in full consultation with the person that was going to play it. <laughs> I would never want to stitch anyone up. But the, um, the semiquavers, oh, yeah. semi you're talking about at the end, are sort of passed around, and they would be they would be played in the strings generally in an orchestral arrangement. Um, so I, I started those off with, um, for example, um, bassoons two and three, um, along with, I just thought it'd be quite fun to have it an octave lower with a contrabassoon doing it. And it is quite fast and, and quite busy. So I thought, again, I wouldn't want to be accused of any of my colleagues thinking, oh, he's written me something really tricky. But um, I, so I, I played that part. Um, <laughs> and then I've only got myself to blame. If it, oh, if it wow. Okay. Um, so actually and, what, uh, I've, what I've highlighted is something that you played uh, and I could be accused of sort of overly flattering you. I mean, it's terribly exciting. Well, it's, it's, thank you. It's, it's just nice. I just thought it would be good to build it towards the end and then add the first bassoon for the last few semi-quavers just to add that extra punch so it does get louder, it gets more exciting before the last four bars of the piece. There's also, um, an, uh, there's also an air of it, and I again, this, is, this goes to my point about this idea that it's music and, and possibly a format which one can project one's own feelings or storytelling onto. But there is also an air of, um, it's almost as though the bassoons are gone, we don't really get very much attention in the orchestra, so you know what, we're going to do this, and and we're going to really like, lo- I don't know whether I'm reading too much into it, but that's kind of what I get from it. Well, not really. I mean, we, 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 you're right, we don't, we're, we're sort of like chameleons in the orchestra. We do get the odd little bit of limelight. We come out, we have solos. And we have to sort of blend with the strings, blend with the bass end. We have to provide, you know, the, the, the sort of um, the texture in the middle of, of, a, of a, a chord quite a lot of the time. But um, no, there was none of that. But, um, went <laughs> there's my head an element of bitterness. Um, there's an element of fact, bitterness the, there. The, the Eric Coates' bassoon writing is amazing. It's incredible. It's like his viola writing because he was a viola player. You will never find a dull viola part, I, I don't think, in Eric Coates' music. And he, um, in this piece, for example, the violas practically play the same line an octave lower as the first violins. Um, you know, they've got the tune all the time. There's, it's not just offbeats in this. And the, there are plenty of opportunities for offbeats in this piece. And I tried actually to share that out amongst the players so we didn't just have A, B and C playing the tune all the time and everyone else just doing the umchars. I, I did try and share the workload out a little bit so that some people do get the tune. Um, but the only one I, I didn't actually change was one bassoon part remains true to Eric Coates, and that was his bassoon part that he wrote for that, and I kept that on bassoon nine, exactly as Eric Coates wrote, just to just to stay true to him. And it's, it's great, because you have lots of accompanying, you know, quavers bopping around, and then you get that lovely tune uh, in the slightly so, slower section, you know, the swaggery triplets. Um, so I think there's, there's probably something for everyone in this uh, in this arrangement to do. What, what, are you going to end, uh, what are you going to arrange next? 
Oh, I don't know. I don't do a lot of arranging, actually. In fact, well, could you do more, I, then? <laughs> arranged were, were, I used to run a 12-piece pop band, covers band, and I, I arranged over 100 charts. I played bass guitar in that in my uh, former days in the Halle. And uh, so I used to do a lot of arranging for pop bands, but, um, yeah, I haven't actually done that much recently. Perhaps I will. <laughs> well, I hope so. I, I really enjoyed it. Is there anything else you want to tell me about it that I haven't asked you? I don't think so. If you've got everything you need, and if, if there is anything else, I'm very happy to add something later if you want to give me a ring back. Uh, Marvellous. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Are you playing tomorrow night? I'm not, sadly, no. It was... It's, it's a, basically a half-size orchestra. It's about right. 40 players. Um, there are only double woodwinds. Um, and they were going to share it out. And I think, um, uh, you know, it's, it's it's tricky, really. I you know, trying to fit too many people on that yes. platform. But no, I'm not involved in either of these televised okay. proms. Well, let's hope, but, let's, uh, let's hope that your colleagues get it right. You know, oh, they're, 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 believe me, they're more than capable. They're amazing <laughs> colleagues. Oh, you didn't you didn't really <laughs> bite on that, did you? Uh, that's uh, that's great. Thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate your time. Have a super You're evening. You're entirely welcome, and thanks very much for your kind comments. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thanks. Take care. Yeah. All right. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. Next week. You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast. If you enjoy it, please consider supporting it for as little as $2 a month. Visit patreon.com forward slash thoroughly good to pledge your support. <laughs>